I'm here with Soryu Paral, um, who is the head teacher at the Monastic Academy, which is uh, a brilliant organization that is teaching the next generation of awakened leaders um, to be powerful agents of peace in the world um, through mindfulness training um, and a focus on social justice and environmental justice. It's a beautiful organization and Soryu is an amazing human. So I'm so grateful to have you here with me um, on the call to share um, your unique perspective um, on this topic of fullness. And yeah. Um, yeah, I'm super, super excited to um, just share a little bit of your wisdom and insight, um, but also just, you know, maybe your experience um, with fullness and, and what it means to you um, and how it's come about or come alive in your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. Um, well, in my life, fullness has come in many forms. Uh, there's the fullness of walking in nature, which I just had a chance to do this morning. I am fortunate to live in a beautiful place and we have ponds and streams and woods and fields, mountains, all right outside. Uh, so I had some time this morning to connect with nature and that connection to the trees and the chipmunks and the blue jays and uh, the frogs, that kind of connection is a sacred type of fullness for me. Uh, when I, you know, throughout my life, and uh, I grew up in a place similar to this, and one day when I was out in nature, I was maybe 10 or so, I had an experience of being connected or more of realizing that I was connected to the whole world, to all of the trees and the birds and the clouds and the earth. And uh, that connection in the moment was uh, completely relieving was completely reassuring and peaceful and uh, and I was fortunate to have a certain framing a certain way of understanding experiences like that because I think that even that was um, an, uh, a life-changing experience, it's possible that it would have only changed my life in terms of what I know. It would have meant that I knew that. But it's difficult to actually live that. And so I had a certain framing, a certain way of understanding that, which was that uh, a great responsibility comes with connection. That mm -hmm. I have the the ability and therefore the responsibility to care for all 
life for all the world. And that if it's true that I am connected, then everything I do matters. Mm. And so that's another kind of fullness, the fullness of connection through action. Uh, so these are two types. There's a type of fullness through perception, where we perceive that we are connected in a friendship with all living things. And then there's the, the action. There is the livelihood, the mm. life that demonstrates that. And as we <clears throat> perceive that more fully, it's extremely important that we live that more fully, that we behave accordingly. And as we behave accordingly, it's very important that we perceive that mm. even more deeply. Uh, so I perceive you as a friend of mine. I look back on times you've sat in your backyard or had some tea together, past conversation. But it's also important that I act that way, that mm -hmm. I act like a friend of yours. Um, those two should feed on each other. And there's a kind of fullness that is uh, impossible to experience with only one side of that equation. So we can proceed, we can have spiritual techniques that allow us to enter a unitive kind of awareness and even go beyond the physical senses and understand uh, the truth beyond the self. But if that isn't taken to the point where we live it, then that, then as good as that is, it won't change the world. What is difficult to see is that if we're changing the world, uh, we're having an impact on the world, we're doing this and that, we are uh, serving others in many good ways. If that isn't connected to this direct, peaceful fullness of love that is, that is directly perceived, not made up, not imagined, uh, not fabricated, but is perceived and accepted and, uh, and is allowed to nourish us. If we don't have that, then again, even though we are having an impact, it won't have the revolutionary impact that, the, that a, a true sense of fullness can give us. So in one moment, our subjective experience is fulfilling and our objective behavior is itself fulfilling. Uh, it fulfills the world with our purpose. It fills the world. It, it offers a fullness to the world because it offers our lives to the world. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And how, how is it that you support um, people in either of these ways of being, um, you know, I think a lot of people understand the cultivation side and then a lot of people understand the action side, but, you know, what you're speaking to about bringing them together, I think is, is rather unique and just sort of starting to emerge um, in the collective dialogue um, that, that you need both. Yeah. And so, 
you know, does, does one feed on the other or support, you know, the other, um, you know, how do you, how might you um, support someone in, in cultivating both? How do they affect each other? Um, yeah. And, or, you know, is, is there anything that's helpful in considering how to, how to do this? Well, uh, there are lots of different ways of answering this question. Uh, the simplest way is community. So mm-hmm. here we've gone to extraordinary lengths to create community of people living together. And this uh, overcomes one of the most insidious problems in the modern world, that of loneliness. Uh, mm. What's What's particularly problematic about our understanding of loneliness nowadays is that it's understood to be a personal problem. It's understood Mm -hmm. that if you are lonely, then you have a problem. But that is a way of uh, uh, fusing loneliness into loneliness. Because it's not true. Loneliness is a social problem. Loneliness is our problem, not my problem or your problem. And so we have here a community of people who aren't lonely. And the, good, the best news of all is that you can't be lonely even if you want to be because you live with people who you can't get away from. <laughs> and a lot of the time it's exactly when you are least able to connect that you connect. Now, least able could be because you're in a very challenging situation. It could be because when we're lonely, we tend to... Uh, drift away. Uh, it could be because we're going through, and this may seem strange, but we're going through a blissful period in our lives or our practice, and we want to protect ourselves from the uh, many problems that other people have and enjoy our, say, meditative bliss. But those are exactly the times when it's so important that we make a connection. And so we have a community. Beyond that, our community has uh, uh, spiritual techniques that allow a person to become increasingly mature, increasingly capable of leadership, increasingly uh, interested in and able to uh, uh, methods that the entire group is uh, brought through so that as we spend more time and gain more leadership, we're more capable of that leadership. Uh, Much of that is meditation, but not by any means all of it. So we work with many different modalities for emotional processing. Uh, We ask people to take leadership positions uh, before they're ready, because that, in my experience, is how people learn most effectively to be challenged and even to fail, Uh, but to be in a safe environment when you fail so that you can get up and try again. Uh, And then beyond that, we have the expectation that if you stay here long enough and learn the practices sufficiently, that you will break through. And breakthrough means that you become free uh, everything that hinders your 
purpose in life, and this purpose in life is, there are many words for it, you could call it enlightenment or awakening, for example. Even then, of course, we need to give further support because we then have to have to push people oftentimes <laughs> into their own leadership, uh, into something that only they can offer and that no one, certainly not me, can tell them how to do. Uh, it's, it's, uh, this is the great risk because if you fail, uh, it's no one else's fault. It cannot be anyone else's fault. There's no way uh, to push it off on someone else. And uh, so it takes enormous courage. So we can offer support in moving forward with courage, but what is so terrifying, I think, for, for so many of us is that uh, we know how short life is, and we know the terrible risk that would come from not fulfilling our purpose in being born and offering our gift to the world. We know how risky that is. We see how uncommon it is that a person does that. And so uh, a lot of the time we become increasingly timid rather than understanding that this is a risk and so it's time to take a risk. feels very um, pertinent in this particular moment in time where it feels like a lot of people are being pushed um, to to take action Mm -hmm. and um, it definitely has feels risky um, feels yes. like there's a lot of fear um, in the air, and yes, there really is. It's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, and so I'm curious, you know, for for people who don't have um, the wonderful uh, nest <laughs> that you've built um, that that pushes. I feel like I am getting a vision of you like a mama bird, kind of like pushing people out <laughs> of the nest. <laughs> Um, you well, know, once, is, once they can fly, that the thing is, is so hard that so many people try to. That it, it does take work to become ready. <clears throat> so, mm-hmm. uh, so for me, uh, I had an amazing experience as a child of connection with nature uh, that changed my life. But it changed my life because of the ability to live it. And that ability to live it, I can't take credit for that. My parents pushed me to do things, uh, Mm -hmm. to take action. Both of them were uh, leaders in the field of social justice with my mother and environmental justice in the case of my father, and led large organizations, uh, some of the largest in the world. And I could believe that I could do it because that's what they were talking about around the dinner table that I was sitting at. And so I took action and I uh, made a little company and I uh, uh, offered my services to various nonprofits and I went and lived in different places and uh, risked my life for various 
issues around race or uh, gender equality. Uh, I had the chance to put myself into those positions, but each next one was sufficient was sufficiently difficult so that it was truly a growth opportunity, but not unreasonably difficult so that I would just fall out of the nest and hurt myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, I failed a lot, but it wasn't failure that could end my uh, ability to move forward, although there were certain cases of actual uh, of actually risking my life for certain issues. But uh, those, were, those were still done with, with my own knowledge, and if things had gone the wrong way, then that would have been a choice I made uh, for a purpose larger than myself. So we, we, we should be offered the ability to, uh, to skillfully move forward. And uh, one of the areas in which that's so difficult for us is the huge risk, uh, which for many people is more difficult, more, feels more risky than anything else, than losing your physical life. That risk is the risk of setting aside, of not constantly maintaining, but of abandoning your story about yourself. Mm-hmm. This is for many people uh, the scariest, uh, most uh, overwhelming risk imaginable. And beyond that, they're stuck in their imaginary idea of who they are and of what the world is. And because we're stuck in an imaginary idea of who we are and what the world is, uh, to drop that imaginary version of things is seen as utter annihilation, as a complete failure, uh, as opposed to the complete freedom that it actually is. Again, you want to move toward that very slowly. very slowly mean, doesn't mean that you hesitate by any means because life is short, but it means that you do not miss any steps. Take each step fully and completely. Uh, so that kind of risk is uh, a, a spiritual people have been saying that this is the most fulfilling kind of adventure, the most fulfilling kind of risk, the ability to drop yourself, to drop the story about yourself, any story about yourself, even the story, the most basic story of all, I am. Even the story that you exist or don't exist or some combination of all that, even that we drop. And then there's a kind of fullness that is that transcends these imaginary stories and it even transcends our uh, physical lives and again and again we see that people who have done this are the type of people who uh, change the world at the uh, broadest and deepest scale mm-hmm. hmm. And so, you know, I'm curious for the people listening, um, 
you know, you, you mentioned baby steps or not quite baby steps, but the appropriate step. Um, mm. You know, what, what might you recommend for, for people who are feeling this push, right? Um, yeah. And yeah. to, to take these risks. Yeah. You know, where, well, the, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, where, where do we, where do we start? How do we, um, you know, do we find support, um, for the actions that we're taking? Um, yeah. We find a practice. Um, yeah. For, for people who maybe, you know, don't know where to start. Um, what would you recommend? Yeah. So the, the easiest recommendation, meaning the recommendation I can give that will be the easiest one to follow and will have the greatest impact. So if you want the easy, the quick and easy way, then the quick and easy way is um, move into a community like this one. It doesn't have to be this one, but one like this one. So that means you quit your job, change your whole life, throw everything away that you've ever done, and start over. So this is the quick and easy way uh, that there are for people who are, you know, who have great strength and self-confidence, then there are harder ways as well. So I'll go over those also. Uh, and, and just, just, to, yeah. just to clarify, yeah. by a community like this one, you mean the Monastic Academy? Yeah, the Monastic Academy. So community of... Uh, so what is the definition of that? The definition is simply a group of people who agree to prioritize uh, truth and goodness, ethical behavior, uh, benefits of the world above all else. So there's an understanding that we are going to prioritize uh, a purpose larger than greed, larger than hate, larger than our, all these stories, these delusions that we tell each other, and that those things are going to uh, be uh, relinquished in order to fulfill this, whatever you might call it, some kind of spiritual aim. Uh, what I think most people don't notice when most, when people think about this sort of community there's often a sense of this is a, a religious community uh people follow a certain uh doctrine they look at the world in a certain way they buy in you could say but what they often don't notice is that everyone everyone except for hermits and caves which i've lived as so I, I I know about that also, <laughs> uh, but other than Hermits and Caves, everyone lives in a cult. Everyone. There is no one alive, except for these Hermits and Caves, who doesn't <laughs> live in a cult. Uh, capitalism is a cult. Humanism is a cult. Materialism is a cult. And there's a sense that if you move into a community like this, then you're sort of like handing your mind over to some kind of doctrine or strange community, but everyone has already handed their mind over to a doctrine, to a, uh, to a, uh, a way of looking at things that is 
constantly uh, impacting their way of understanding their lives. So um, I think that what I would, what's, it's so hard to understand that if you, if you come to a community like this, then yes, yes, it is the case that uh, oh, are you still there? Yep. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, then yes, it is the case that you enter a situation in which you uh, are impacted by the views, the traditions, the culture around you. But what's hard to see is that you're already in that situation. The difference is that here you're conscious of it. You're aware that you're um, being asked to do certain things that could be done in other ways. You're aware that we're talking about, you know, the Eightfold Path, which is a Buddhist way of approaching personal development, uh, as opposed to the individualistic, humanist, often materialist traditions that one is asked to participate in in ordinary society, uh, which are often not not consciously noticed. Uh, so just as an example, uh, I was trying to convince a sociologist that people are in this huge religious movement. And he said, well, no, a religious movement means that you, you go to church every day to be indoctrinated with certain views. And I said, but, but these are individualists now. They're going to go to individualist church to be indoctrinated by those views. For example, they're going to watch TV shows alone in their bedroom at night to be told that what you feel and want is the highest authority in the universe, which is the message of a lot of these TV shows and movies and such. But we don't notice that we're going to church when we go online or watch a TV show. We don't notice that we're being indoctrinated. It it just sort of happens secretly, but that's exactly why it has such power. So to enter a community consciously means that you win both ways. The power of the doctrines are stronger, but they're not, it's conscious, and so it doesn't subversively uh, uh, take over, hijack, you could say, your mind. Uh, so, so if you enter a place like this, it's because you've decided to leave a cult, and that cult is a cult which to me is the most dangerous one and the most popular one of all time, that being a religious system that justifies an economic system that is literally destroying life on the planet. So if you stay in ordinary society, then you're in a cult and it's the worst one ever. Uh, it is, uh, it is uh, guilty of genocide at the highest scale. And, <clears throat> 
and if you're participating in that, well, then you're going to suffer. Uh, people nowadays have such terrible shame and uh, you could even say self-hatred and uh, from a certain perspective, it's not your fault because you're just a part of a system that is um, that's unjust. But if you're participating in that system, you still have to experience the consequences of uh, feeling bad about yourself. Uh, because we, we all know that we're complicit in the destruction of life as we know it. Uh, we don't know exactly how far that will go, but we know how far it's already gone. So, uh, so the easy way, as I say, is to enter a community like this. The harder way is to um, attempt to be right in that, right in that cult, you could say, right in that situation. Uh, be right there and maintain clarity of mind, deep compassion, and freedom from the subtle doctrines on which uh, modern society is based, actually offering a new and better way of understanding what human life is all about. So, choice A or choice B? <laughs> yeah, and I can, I can give you some stuff to do in choice B. Choice B would mean that you'd probably want to uh, escape at least once a day from the stories about yourself in the world. Meditation is a good way to do that. Uh, mm -hmm. To meditate in that case means that you uh, relentlessly cut off any stories that you're telling about yourself or the world. So any thought that arises at all about anything, you end it immediately. Uh, of course, this is hard to do. And so, as I say, we have the easier option as well, being in a place like this. Um, you revolutionize your life so that all of your economic activities are in support of life. Uh, you put your life to the service of all living things, and that you do that in an economic sense. So here we're attempting to develop a completely different economic system. Uh, well, it's easier to do together, but one can do it alone. Uh, and so one makes those revolutionary changes. Uh, and then beyond that, one should very carefully explore the philosophical tenets, the, uh, the perspectives on which the modern world is based. So we've decided to look at the world in certain ways. And it's very important for us to examine that closely. Uh, because these ways of looking at things are the most powerful forces on earth right now. People 
cooperate based on their way of seeing things. And yet they can only cooperate in terms of those ways of seeing things. Mm-hmm. And so if we don't question our ways of seeing things, then we're forced to cooperate and therefore become complicit in the systems that uh, are owned by those ways of seeing things. And then even if if within that context we change things, it still remains uh, uh, directed toward the underlying goals of those ways of seeing things. So it's important for us to examine that, to carefully examine our culture, our assumptions, uh, our dreams, where they came from. And the, and the best way of doing it that I know of is to do exactly the kind of thing that you do, where you have conversations. You talk to people about things like fullness. You make connections over dinner. You... Uh, you demand uh, that your friends question something. They ask you that they that they help you to question things. Uh, each of us is is coming from a different place and going to a different place, and yet in our relationships and walking together, we can all enable each other to be more clear. So I'd say that the the kinds of conversations that you are creating are the most effective way to bring out this investigation uh, so that people can escape from the stories they've been telling, see something beyond themselves, and then live accordingly. Thank you so much, Soyu. I really appreciate your perspective so much. And um, every time I speak to you, I feel like you're holding uh, many, many perspectives all at once. Um, And I'm so grateful um, for the work that you're doing and for taking the time to um, share your insight and wisdom um, with me and um, with everybody listening. Um, It's definitely refreshing. Um, If, if challenging, um, but I, I hope that people will rise to the challenge and I know that both of us are here to support them as they do. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I am and I know you are. And I very much appreciate your, your willingness to do that and your enthusiasm in doing it. Yeah. Uh, your enthusiasm, your glee, <laughs> is uh, a very uh, powerful gift in the world right now. <sighs> so thank you for sharing that with me. Thank you.